Welcome to season two of the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. We hope you enjoy this panel discussion. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. Leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms to help us improve with each season. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the 2021 Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. My name is Annika Fajardo. I am a member of Las Musas and a middle grade uh, writer. And I'm excited to bring you our panel for It's Career Day, Exploring Careers in Publishing, brought to you by Latinx in Publishing. Be sure to take a moment to look at our anti-harassment policy that we have at the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. And now I am excited to um, bring you our panelists today, these wonderful experts in publishing. Um, we are gonna be joined by four people. Nancy Mercado is Associate Publisher at Penguin Random House. Hi, Nancy. Saritza Hernandez is an agent at Andrea Brown Literary Agency. Say hello, hello. We also have Tiffany Gonzalez, Marketing and Publicity Coordinator at Astra Publishing House. Hello. And Margarita Longaria, a Texas librarian and book blogger. You can correct me <laughs> on that one. Um, as a former librarian, yay for the librarians. Um, so I'm so excited to talk about publishing, careers in publishing, things that don't necessarily have to do with the writing side. A lot of people forget that there's this other side that's a huge part of, like, like authors wouldn't exist without y'all. So I'm excited to talk about kind of how you got where you are and why and how people interested in other areas of publishing can get, get there themselves. Um, I will call on you so we don't have this like weird who gets to go next thing. But if you have something like amazing to say, please just like jump in whenever you whenever you feel like it. So I just want to hear like a little bit of background. Um, there are four of you, but we have some time. So um, I have a two part question. Where what are you doing now in publishing? And also, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? What was like and how far you know, you don't have to tell us like if it's super far away, but you know, did you imagine yourself doing these things? And I think we'll just start with Sarita because she's um, my my first person up on my screen. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, I am a literary agent with the Andrew Brown Literary Agency. As, as we said earlier, I have been an agent for about eight years. Um, I represent predominantly uh, people uh, in from marginalized backgrounds, marginalized communities, um, 90, like 8% of my list uh, is, is, is a big mash of that. And I think it actually comes from the fact that I'd always been attracted to books. I've always loved reading and writing ever since I was little. I think I wrote like my first story for my grandfather um, when I was six, telling him about my magical um, papines. <laughs> you, know, and I, you know, when I was nine, he gave me my very first typewriter. It was giant clunky, you know, um, manual typewriter that it would like sit and just like click, clack, clack anytime I was at his house. And that became like my introduction to words and how much I love them. And from there, I started gravitating towards stories that had to do with people that looked like me, but there weren't many books that had anyone like me. 
or my family really represented. Um, so when I when I got an opportunity to be in publishing and then I got to be, uh, I got to work with the agency side and being able to choose the types of projects that I could, you know, bring forward. And I kept hearing the word gatekeeper and I was like, yeah, but what if you were not just a gatekeeper? What if you were just like like a gate destroyer? Like you just go up to the gate and just like blow that up <laughs> and let people come through that need to be, you know, there. Who would do that? And when I learned that literary agents could do it, I was like, oh, I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like this is it. So can you just give us a quick can you give us a little quick um what is an agent? What is an agent? Yeah. So the literary agents, we are the ones who represent the author to the publisher. We, um, uh, you know, we, I don't want to say curate, but we do go through a slush pile uh, in form of queries, query inboxes that we then select works that we feel have marketability. In other words, we know that the work is going to uh, sell well, that there's a, a, an audience for the book. Um, and then we represent the author and either title by title, some agents work title by title, some work as a career. So they represent that author's entire work. Um, we represent them to the to the publisher. We make sure that the, the manuscript is ready to go. We uh, add that level of editorial in the beginning, but then we negotiate the contract. We're there to sell subrights and to negotiate deals with all of the other aspects of publishing that is not just, you know, the book, it also encompasses merchandise and audio and film TV. Um, we are on the, if there was a table for publishing, we are sitting, you know, with the author, next to the author through their um, steps in the career. I love that illustration. That is such a great way to think about the role of the agent, which is kind of mysterious if you haven't gone through it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you. And can I, I'm going to go to Margarita next. Um, so just tell us what where you are in currently in publishing and um, what did you want to be when you grew up? I um, I'm a librarian, a high school librarian right now in publishing. I guess I am. Um, I'm an editor. I just uh, had my first anthology come out in August. So that's like um, and an editor is uh, kind of like the curator is the curator of a war of works and um mine um it was really it was an exciting i oh what i wanted to do i wanted to be a librarian i always wanted to be a librarian so that dream came true and then when i was little i also wanted to write a book i wanted to have a book on the shelf i wanted to have a book with my like a spine label on the shelf in the library so all of that is now came true so that's really exciting but an editor what an editor does is we kind of like I had like this vision of what I wanted for this particular anthology. And then I looked for the people that I wanted in this anthology and I found them. And then we take their works and we make sure that they fit the vision and that we keep their authenticity and we put them in a book. And we were very lucky that we were able to get it published and it's out in the world. <laughs> So that's Congratulations. My that is so exciting. And it's a beautiful book. I've seen the cover. I haven't opened it up yet. Yeah, I love Yay. it. So it's a beautiful I, cover. Thank you. <laughs> and congratulations on reaching your childhood dreams. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Um, 
let's go to Tiff. We'll go around in circles. Let's go to Tiffany. Um, where, where are you in publishing right now? And what did you want to be when you grew up? Hi. Um, okay. So right now I do publicity and marketing. Um, so I basically try to sell the books. My job is to, I hate using the word to define the word, but my job is to market the book out to the public and to make sure that we get those readers um, to sell the books. Uh, and when I wanted to grow up, <laughs> it's a funny story. I actually wanted to be a gynecologist very specifically. <laughs> I was obsessed with um, a birth story. Um, I don't know if they still do that in TLC uh, back when uh, TV viewing live was a thing. <laughs> I, as a child, I was obsessed with that show and I used to love seeing babies be born and like just mothers go through that process. I used to think it was like the most phenomenal thing ever um, and I was obsessed with it. And till high school, I swore that I was going to be a doctor. Um, that didn't happen. I was very bad with math and science. <laughs> so um, so um, I kind of landed in publishing, kind of stumbled into it. Um, I was doing corporate retail and my bilingual skills actually helped me get my first job in publishing. So it's it's definitely important to learn a different language if it's possible, just because it's it's really helped me. And I've always loved languages. I took um, French in college. So that's always been like a thing, just like learning languages and learning other cultures. I've always loved that. Um, so I, sense, I stumbled into publishing with production, which is like another side of publishing a lot of people don't know about. Production is like a huge, huge part of um, publishing because they help make the books into books and get those books into the warehouses to be sold. Um, and after that, that job eventually led me to go to grad school and get my master's and end up in the company that I am now, Astra House, where I did production and then came to marketing and publicity. So it's it's been like, I've, I've had like a little chunk of everything. Um, and that's why I, I love doing like conversations about this because people are always set when they're in school into like, you have to do the one thing, you have to study this one thing and be this thing. But you absolutely don't because I'm a journalism and media studies major. I thought entertainment was going to be the thing that I was going to do. And now I'm in publishing and I had no idea what publishing was. I used to, I loved books, but I didn't, I, I don't know. I never thought about books were made. Like it just didn't <laughs> process. Um, that books had to be made to, you know, be sold. Um, I just knew books were there. So it was it was a nice journey coming into where I am now because I've, I've worked really hard to get here. So, um, so yeah, that's my my backstory. Congratulations, Tiffany. Now, now you just need to pub market and publish a book about uh, giving birth and then you will have come full circle. <laughs> Um, maybe once I experience that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you'll just leave that in the past and just let that be something you don't do anymore. <laughs> um, Nancy, you get to be our last with this question. Um, what is your current role and what did you want to be when you grew up? Sure. Um, first, I just want to say, Tiffany, shout out to production, because I feel like that never gets mentioned in these kinds of panels. And it's always like, be an editor or like, and no one ever talks about production, which are like absolutely essential to um, getting our books out there. So um, that's always an opportunity. It's always a, a career path. Um, so I am the associate publisher and the editorial director at Dial Books for Young Readers at Penguin Random House. And 
what that means is I do a mix of editing some of my own books, and then I oversee a bunch of uh, editors and kind of really working with them to make sure their books are, you know, being positioned correctly, that they're, um, you know, that everything about the book is the way that they and the author want, want it to be. Um, so I really like that straddling of two worlds. I get to work on other people's projects, which is sometimes easier than your own, right? You can, it's so much easier to have an opinion on somebody else's book and somebody else's project. Um, so I, I really enjoy the management piece of it. And then um, editing my own books is just really wonderful. Um, I get to be working one-on-one -on -one with an author and trying to bring out the best in their story, trying to get them closer to the story that they want to tell. Um, and it's a real honor, you know, to work with people in that way um, because you're, you're really close. You know, you get really close because it's all work is personal, even if it doesn't feel overtly personal. Um, every book is deeply personal. So um, I really love that aspect uh, of the job. And then in terms of what I thought I was going to be when I was a kid, um, I definitely loved books. I grew up down the block from the public library, went there all the time. And so I thought I was going to be either a librarian, um, school librarian uh, was sort of my, my thought. And then once I was in college, I was a Spanish major. So I thought maybe I would be a translator and maybe a book translator. Um, and then I realized how hard that was. Uh, and then I thought I was going to be a Newbery judge, which is the judge, um, you know, the people who pick the Newbery Award every year for children's literature. Uh, and I thought that was a job that you could do. And then I found out that it was actually librarians who get to pick the Newbery uh, Award and they don't get paid for it. It's a volunteer gig. It's not a paid position. Um, so I decided that I really wanted to be in children's books. Um, and so I just, I, you know, then I, then I got in. Reality is cruel, isn't it? <laughs> There's, I wanted to, I went, my, what I wanted to do was decorate the store windows. I didn't, I thought that was a job that you just could go around and do that. <laughs> um, uh, so I, so I'm a writer, but I also was a fifth grade teacher. I was a librarian for a really long time. Then I was a copy editor for a while. And then I um, I created websites for people for a while. And then I finally came to being a writer full time. So we all of us often have these like really weird paths that get us to our careers. So Tiffany already talked a little bit about um, your career path, kind of how you got there. Um, so I want to know about how, not just how you got there, like what path that you took, but also what are the skills that you have or that you honed in order to do this work that you do now that you clearly all really love? Um, and we'll just go in the same order, I think, if that's okay. Um, so Saritza, you get to go first. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and actually when I'm going to give another shout out to production because I actually come from the production trenches. Um, technical production services. Uh, we were the originals. Um, no, <laughs> but I, I, I got to work in um, in publishing. In I started out as an admin, as an administrative assistant. It was the only job that was available at the time. I don't live in New York City. I'm actually in Orlando, Florida. Um, so publishing jobs, you know, not not that easy to come by unless you are going to work for Disney. And hey, Disney Publishing, not in Orlando. So I did not know that when I was a kid. Um, but when I started 
working um, at the publishing, I, I worked at HMH before it was HMH. Um, admins were the only positions available, but we had an opportunity there that they allowed you to work in every other department. Um, you could spend two weeks at any department you wanted. Um, and you, you could break it up in a week in the beginning of the year, a week at the end of the year, however you wanted to do it. You, you had two weeks that you would literally lift everything in your cubicle and move into that other cubicle and you would be part of that team for a week. And somebody from that team would then, you know, move into yours. Um, it allowed not only for cross, you know, training, but it gave you an opportunity to meet people who were working in other areas and gave you a, a perspective that changed the way you work when you returned to your job. Because now you understood by being in there what it was like. But you also learn those skills, right? So you, you, I remember sitting with copy edit. My God, that was like the hardest job ever. That whole week, I was like anxious because I was afraid I was going to mess up. You know, there's a special level of, you know, even editors who have been doing this for many, many years will tell you, copy editors, when you sit in the copy editing room, it's a very different type of mindset. But I got to learn to look at words in a different way, to understand why voice was important, not just for the, the um, genre fiction work that I like to read, but for textbooks, for nonfiction pieces, um, and why certain words had to be in a certain order. I got to understand also everything about fonts and why there were certain ligatures that were important. And copy edit actually like pick up on those things moved from that to the departments. And as I got through um, my, you know, 18 years in, in publishing, I got to work in almost every department. And so that allowed me to, when I decided I wanted to work, continue working in publishing, and I w wanted to work on the author's uh, perspective and be able to represent them, I had a mindset, I had a different mindset when I came into it. And my skills were from every single department. Um, obviously, the ones that you know helped the most in my role now were the ones that had to do with uh, contracts, permissions, rights, and, and things like that. Understanding that aspect helped me a lot when I started um, as an intern in a, a, as a literary agent. But um, but knowing also the words of publishing, of how the publishing machine works, also helped me create perspectives for my clients when they're like, oh, well, why isn't my book coming out next week? Well, we just sent it out on submission. It's not gonna happen like that. You know, being able to explain things helped because I had I had that um, experience, uh, spending time with each of the departments. Wow, you've done everything, wow. <laughs> Yeah, the That's only one really that I didn't cool. get to do was a mailroom, and I really wanted to work in the mailroom. <laughs> like, if you want dish, you want gossip, you know, you want your telenovela, you go work in the mailroom for a week, and you'll learn a lot. But that one wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the idea too that you used um, your expertise in contracts. Like, you don't think about that as being part of the publishing industry, right? Yeah, actually, it was them who decided. Like, the, the I remember. The manager, my, my, my immediate supervisor was like, because I kept asking a bunch of questions, because um, that's what I do. And at one point, you know, he stopped and he's like, um, you know, this, these are all the questions that agents ask us uh, when we go through the deal memo phase. Um, you really like need to look at maybe possibly sitting on that side, um, because the questions that you're asking are things that a lot of authors don't know to ask. 
and agent does that for them. And I worked in a textbook division for a bit. So textbook division, the authors are very different. You know, there's there's not generally an, an agent that represents the textbook author because they're they're you know signed on for a particular thing. Um, so, but I was asking all these questions like, okay, but why is this not happening? And, you know, <laughs> um, and so I got to learn about those and permissions and why you can't have like a certain picture at a certain frame or, or why certain things have to be the way they are. Um, even for illustrations in a textbook, in a children's book, um, because I got to spend the time, you know, uh, two weeks in that department. And every year I would go back to that department <laughs> just because I wanted to learn more. I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to get as much insight as I could so that I could get my skill set at a higher level. Thank you. Um, we're going to move to Margarita. Um, what's, what's your background um, or skills that you think that are really valuable for what you um, do? Okay. I was always a bookworm. So from being a big reader as a child, I um, I went to school and I became an English teacher because I love books and I love, you know, that's just what like it's a lot of bookworms do, right? We, we become English teachers and I was an English teacher and I wanted to be a librarian. I wanted to be a school librarian. In order to be a school librarian, you have to be a teacher first because I wanted to be a librarian. I wanted to be in a school, but I also wanted to be able to teach because we we teach also. We're we're considered teacher librarians when we're school librarians. So that's what I wanted. So that's what I um I did there, and I started off like I said as a school teacher. And then while I was a school teacher, I noticed the lack of diverse literature and the lack of um, Mexican American literature, basically. And there was some. There wasn't a lot in the air. And then that's predominantly where I work and where I live. We're Mexican Americans and there wasn't a lot of culturally relevant books for my kids. And so when I had an opportunity to, um, to get this together, I jumped at the chance to, to do it. And, and it, it took a, like, the reason I did it was I was very upset with number with 45 and his angry tirades about Mexicans being criminals and rapists and all this kind of stuff. And I thought like, I need to fight back for my community and for our kids and for the world. I'm like, I'm going to fight for everyone. So I did. And I, I, I thought I, you know, I said, I want to do an anthology to show, you know, the beauty of our culture and just how wonderful Mexican Americans and the Mexican culture is. And I was lucky that all these people, like my friends, I have all my friends on the, around the book cover and that they agreed to go on the journey with me. And that's how, um, that's how it started. Basically, I met a lot of these people as an English teacher and a librarian because I would go to library conferences and I was on book committees for Texas Library Association. So I, and I was just a very active librarian. And so I got to meet a lot of these people. And so I knew them and I was able to approach them and ask them to do this with me. And that's, I was very blessed and lucky. And that's how I did it. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and be, getting out there and being passionate and doing what you want to be doing is sounds like was really important part of yes. getting where you got. Yeah. Yes. I am very passionate about diverse, about books, period, about book. I love young adult literature because I just love it. Like there's just something about a young adult novel that it takes you back to like this very like sweet, innocent time in your life. I don't know. I just, I can live on it and I do live on it. Sometimes I forget that I'm 44 because I live in young adult land and I think I'm a, a child and I have crushes on all these boys and I have, you know, like that's just the way I, and I like my life like this. I think I feel like it keeps me young. 
it keeps me like I understand my students at school a little bit more because I can relate to the little things that they they go through and I think it helps me as a librarian and as a parent and as a everything. <laughs> Yay books. Um, so we're going to move on to um, Tiffany. Um, and you talked a little bit about how you got there, but also I'd like to just hear about like what skills kind of translated as you as you moved through to this career. Yeah, so my experience was kind of very similar to Saritza's. Um, so I was working in uh, corporate retail and those ex those skill sets kind of transferred over to production. Um, and because I spoke Spanish and worked with purchase orders, I kind of knew a little bit about the world. And then as I was in production, I kind of realized how you got to talk to everyone pretty much in the industry. Um, and it kind of gave me a sense as to like, all right, what do I really want to do? Do I see, see myself in this um, in this career? And slowly, you know, I started talking more to editors. I started talking to copy editors, started talking, um, you know, to contracts people and, and sales, a lot with sales. Um, and you talk a lot with manufacturers. You literally talk to everyone. So a lot of communication, <laughs> a lot of communication, which actually translate a lot to like what I do now because I'm always emailing someone about events and, um, contacting people for to get reviews and to get um, ad spaces up in websites and in print magazines. So um, a lot of uh, communication analytical skills um, with purchase orders, you have to be very, you have to pay a lot of attention to detail. Um, I like show and tell. So um, in production, you kind of learn the importance of what, you know, what feel the book gets. Is it going to be a lamination? Is it going to be matte? Is it soft touch? Um, is it gritty? Uh, and then you get to work with um, the actual case. What kind of case color is it going to be? What kind? How this the spine die is going to look to stamp on the actual book? So you get a different, you get a real good insight into what a book is supposed to look, what goes into making a book. Um, so yeah, so communication, attention to detail, analytical skills, um, be people friendly, like be, be have good uh, people skills because even though you're not talking to, be, you might not be able to talk to people face to face. Um, those skills definitely translate into uh, mediated communication. So, so yeah, those are the skills. Are you an outgoing person? You seem like an outgoing person. I am very. So that's another thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge extrovert, and I'm very like in your face and bubbly. Um, so I definitely needed. I needed to be out there, which is the reason why I had I, I knew production wasn't the end goal for me, um, just because it's, it's a lot of back end work. And I'm very like, I need to do something. I need to be in your face and talk to you about something, <laughs> which is why it turns out I'm, I'm very good at what I do now. <laughs> Sometimes really different from the author side of things. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, how about you, Nancy? Um, Kind of how you got where you are or what skills do you think kind of did you hone or translate yeah yeah well i was a bookseller in college um i worked in a bookstore uh in albany new york and 
uh, I worked in the children's section. I actually worked all in every section, but I was really into making displays for books and, you know, just coming up with themes and, you know, like, okay, we're going to do this theme around this one book. And then we're going to have, you know, figure out what other books could go in. I also had a really good memory for book titles and jackets and authors. So if people came in inevitably and were like, I'm looking for that blue cover with like an ear and you're like, okay, yeah, I got it. And, and that was like really fun to just get the sense of it. And, and I remembered, right. Like I would know all of the books in the section because it was a pretty small bookstore. Um, so that was really fun when somebody was looking for a book and you can just be like, yep, it's right here. Like I know exactly where it is. So I think having that like Cam Jansen, like, you know, memory of like, you know, the photographic memory, I think was really, has been really helpful to me in publishing. Um, and then when I graduated college, I was working in a bookstore again. Um, and that was, you know, all the things that Tiffany, you were saying about like being a people person, like it was really helpful because I was working in customer service and, you know, talking to people all the time about what they were reading. Um, and I, I missed that, you know, I missed that kind of one-on-one -on -one with the customer and with the consumer and finding out what have they read, what are they still not seeing, you know, that kind of, um, thing. So I think, any anytime I see bookseller, you know, somebody has bookseller experience, I'm like, okay, you're you're gonna do fine in publishing. I also should say that you don't have to be an extrovert to be in publishing. You can also, you know, like quiet time and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for me, bookselling was definitely um, my path into publishing. You always think that you know, your path into your career, especially when you're a kid, you think, well, that's what you study in school. That's what you go to college for. And so it's fun to hear different ways and skills that get us into our careers. Um, that's not necessarily what you go to college for or what you think you're going to do when you're 14. Um, so this next question I know is going to be like, well, everything. So, so my, so I guess the question is like, can you narrow it down? Um, so the question is, how does your Latinidad influence your work or your career path? And you know, for most of us, it is influencing everything we do every day, right? Um, but was there aspects? And I know Sarita, you started out talking a little bit about some of that, and Margarita, you did too. Um, so what, what else? Like, how, how does that influence what you do in publishing, um, Sarita? Well, a lot of it, um, you know, we, we we bring our perspectives, our culture, our history with us everywhere we go, no matter what community you're from. That is just part of being a human being. Um, but the added uh, complexity, I would say, to uh, bringing your Latinidad forward is that the Latin culture is so vast. We're global. Right, there are so many different cultures. It's not, um, it, it, you know, it's not a monolith. We're 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 not all one type of um, Latino, Latino, Latina, Latinx. We are. Uh, we bring and we bring in also our experiences from the diaspora, especially those of us who are in the diaspora, to our especially our our professional lives. We were allowed to do that because a lot of the times is expected of us, right? Sometimes um, when, when we are brought into a conversation in the professional setting, the first thing that most people will ask is, well, how will this affect 
or how do you think this is going to affect you know the latin culture and i'm like well i could only speak for myself <laughs> as a puerto rican living in orlando florida like i couldn't tell you much but i can give you a perspective I can give you um, I can give you some insight based on what ha what is happening in my community, and hopefully that will open up a conversation within the rest of the company or the decision makers into allowing a diverse um, solution forward, right? Because a lot of the times the decisions are being made um, for our communities are not with us included. Right, is like okay. Well, this is what's going to happen, and everybody's just going to do it. And now, with the uh, opportunities that publishing has made available to um, people of color, to uh, different uh, communities and backgrounds, to be a part of the decision-making process in publishing, I think helps. And bringing your culture forward and being able to say. Um, when there is like, I was very excited that I was able to work with one of my illustrators who is Puerto Rican and Dominican and be able to um, represent her title to the publisher. We signed with an, uh, an editor who is also Puerto Rican, who is another voice in the room. And all of our Latinidad is like very much you know, at the forefront of that deal, of that book being forward. And it's a nonfiction book about a Puerto Rican scientist. So it's like all of these great layers, right? And being able to bring that forward, I thought was fantastic because how often do you get to do that? But also those, all of us have different perspectives because even though we're all Puerto Rican or have a Puerto Rican background, we all come from different areas, come to different moments of life, different perspectives, our, our cultures, are similar in some ways, but very varied. So yeah, that no matter what, your Latinidad comes forward in what you do is just, um, I think now a great time to be in publishing specifically with it because you have now a voice that people need to hear and have a decision-making power with it, hopefully. That's beautiful. Um, Margarita, what do you think? You kind of gave us a little, I mean, the whole reason your anthology exists, right, is because you're centering your Latinidad. And and what she says is like that was beautiful because it's very exciting to see now that there's more than there ever has been before. You know, I remember six it was just 16 years ago that I started in the classroom and I read um The House on Mongo Street with my kids, um, Viola Canales, Renes Saldana, because there wasn't anything else, you know, that my, there wasn't a lot. And of course, I read the outsiders because the outsiders is beautiful and universal and perfect. And there, books, you know, there's there's so many wonderful books, but you know, there was I wanted to read something culturally relevant with my kids, and I remember there not being much. So I love now how there's more people and in publishing and everywhere that it's not so we're, we're getting out there. And I, it was very important to me whenever I, it was I think you know it was always I, it was that time whenever like it was 45 whenever he started just saying ugly things about our people like our culture and 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 then everybody lumps everybody thinks that just because you have a spanish last name you're mexican everybody's mexican puerto ricans are mexican cubans are mexican everybody's mexican you know and it's it just got so like we're we like in that like she said the latina the, the the latin country the latin culture there's a bunch of us we're there's a lot and we all have did we all have different cultures and they're all beautiful and we're all different but yet we're all the same and i 
it just drove me crazy how the whole thing drove me crazy. So it was very important to me to, to not only, not only just the Mexican American culture, not only to shine light on the Mexican American culture and, but on all of our cultures in the the Latin community to, for all, for all of us to shine and for everybody to see that we have voices and important stories and we're just like everybody else. So that was very, that's been very important to me right now that I have kind of like a little bit of, that I can do it now a little bit bigger than I had before. I, I'm a book blogger. And so I have my little book blog and I've always been a, like, a like, you know, I'm a, like, I'm not this six, huge big book blog, but I've always had like a little nice little following. So I've always been able to get books and promote books. And it's always been important to me to promote diverse literature. And that's kind of like where I've always focused that in romance. Cause I think that people, if more people read romance, the whole world would be a happy place. But that's another story. <laughs> that's for another time. <laughs> that will be the next panel. Um, thank you, <laughs> Tiffany. You already Tiffany already talked about uh, being bilingual as having a huge impact. Um, so, what else do you think? How else would you define that that your Latinidad is impacted or affected by your your career? Ooh, I mean, it's it's been a journey. I'll keep it real. It's been a journey accepting who I am and being in the space that I am. Um, and I think keeping my language, my, my Spanish is my first language. So keeping that in the forefront has always been um, my path to getting to where I am today. And I'm very grateful for that. And I, I like to believe that right now I'm in this, in, in a work environment where I feel wholly accepted and I'm learning so much about just inclusivity and just all the history that we haven't learned that we have to learn and unlearn everything that we've already learned. Um, and I'm in just in such a great space. And I think it's it's about owning who you are and accepting what you bring to the table, regardless of what others think. Um, and honestly, seeing my curly hair in the company website for all its glory was, I think I like shed tears when I saw that. So, um, <laughs> So I think it's just, you know, to keep it short and simple, um, own who you are and just bring your true self to the table, regardless of what others say. Oh my gosh, we're all gonna start crying, Tiffany. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And represent, I mean, representation, whatever it looks like, it matters so much, doesn't it? I mean, even on a company website, like at every level, representation matters. I've goosebumps now. Um, <laughs> Nancy, how about you? How does um, your Latinidad influence your work? Well, I think uh, I think being Latina, being the daughter of a Colombian immigrant, um, has had a big influence on the books that I acquire um, and the work that I do in the industry. Um, I definitely gravitate towards Latinx stories, um, stories that sort of explore the fullness of the Latinx diaspora, right? Because we all know that even within the Latinx category, there are stories that get more prioritized than others, right? And so that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and I often tell the story of reading Felita by Nicolás Amor um, for the first time when I was a kid. And that was major moment for me because it was the first time I saw a book where a girl called her father Papi. And and that was like for like a white Latina whose family was super assimilated, right? Even that like was really important for me to see. And so 
Um, I feel like with the books that I publish, especially, um, I want to make sure that people are seeing them and, you know, seeing themselves and their families reflected and that we get the fullness of that Latinx experience. Um, so, I, and I think those are the books that I have something more to offer on, um, you know, that I, that I can sort of help contribute something a little bit a little bit deeper, even just the conversations that I get to have with the authors about it and um, the similarities and the, the stories that we tell each other um, are just really, really wonderful. Thank you. Um, it just kind of infiltrates everything, obviously, um, and it's so important. And you all have such beautiful stories to tell. And amazingly, people in publishing, you're all like super well-spoken. <laughs> um, so. And speaking of well-spoken, we have some wonderful questions from some students that we wanted to get to. Um, the first question is from Eric, who's in seventh grade in Chelsea, Massachusetts. And he asks, how many months or days or weeks does it take to make a full book? <laughs> um, so anyone want to jump in and answer that question? I just want to, I can say this, like, I remember whenever I, um, I got, I sold my, well, they sold my book in November, 2019. And I remember them telling me it's not going to come out until August, 2021. And I remember thinking like, how, like the, I'll be dead. Like that's a hundred million years from now. Like that is forever. And then I remember COVID hit and then like manuscript was due and then it didn't feel like it was enough time, but um, it does take a long time, Eric, a couple years. Well, it did for me. <laughs> Well, and that doesn't count the the beginning, right? It was people who had already started writing it. <laughs> That's just the part of getting it from selling the book to getting it out. So then it was yeah. like 2018. Yeah, it takes a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I have clients who work for three years on their book before they even queried. And then they were in the query trenches for a couple of years. So five years after they started writing the book, they had a manuscript that was, you know, picked by an agent. And then, you know, it took me two years to get the deal they needed that, that we thought was the best deal for them. And then it took another two years <laughs> for the book to be produced. You know, there's a lot of elements uh, to, to bookmaking. So yeah, it can be anywhere from, you know, five years uh, from the time that you sit down with your pen and paper and write down your story to the time that you actually physically hold your book and to even longer. Uh, some people take a lifetime. It, it, there's no right or wrong way. And there's no like short or long either. It, the book, it, the, the bookmaking process is varied. Um, but generally, from the time that the publisher gets it to the time that you get to hold it in your hands, it's maybe about two years. Yeah, I brought show and tell. Um, this is a book that just came out. It's called When We Make It by Elizabeth Velasquez. And I will say this probably took about two years um, in the making. Um, but then, of course, if you factor in the author uh, working for, you know, 10 years in slam poetry, um, working for, you know, many, many years on on the story itself, um, you know, it's it's hard to say, but on our end, the publishing end, um, it took about two years. And you figure most novels will go through like maybe two or three drafts, um, big drafts. So even when the manuscript comes in and we love it and we're like, yes, we're going to publish this, then there's still the process of editing the book that, you know, takes 
take several, several months. So, um, you know, you figure that if an editor is spending a, a month or so with it, probably longer because editors are slow. But uh, if the author is spending, you know, three months revising it, so there's a lot of gaps in between where we're not actually working on the book, but one person has it and then it kind of gets volleyed back to the other person. There's a lot of back and forth. I spent 10 years working on my first book, which was a memoir, before I published my second book, which was my debut middle grade. So if I counted all the way back <laughs> there, it's a long time. Um, so then the, the publishing part seems really short if you've been working on a book for 10 years. Um, so we have another question, and I think we get to hear this question right from our student. Um, what are the main steps of writing a book? So main steps of writing the book from Marielle in um, New York. Who wants to tackle that question in just a few, you know, quick? <laughs> I think it takes an idea. That's the first step. And I, an idea and that you sit down and you start. Yeah, I would say, you know, idea. So uh, imagine your imagination, storyboarding. So when you're like outlining your story, trying to decide who are your characters, what the world is. I'm a big D&D person. So if you know Dungeons and Dragons, you're building up your character sheet, where are they going to be? What is the adventure going to take place? What is the setting? Um, you know, is it present time? Is it in the past, in the future, in space? And then, you know, how does the plot going to carry these characters through your setting? to a conclusion that's gonna be satisfactory, right? And that's gonna be um, a fun journey for the reader. That's gonna be how you hit your your points as you're writing your book. And then, and then when you finish it all and you've written like a 300,000 word thing, you know, in like 20 different notebooks all over your, you know, bedroom, then you go through and you kind of like break it down and you actually make it into a story that actually has one character instead of 20. <laughs> And you you revise it and revise it and revise it. So um, the main steps I always say to people is your drafting stage is your I'm putting everything on paper. And then that can take your drafting stage could probably take you longer than everything else. Yeah. Um, because every time you revise, it's another draft that you create. But once you're ready, once that manuscript is done, um, the the last final step of the manuscript phase of the book is getting it out there. So sending it out to agents to take a look at for representation or submitting your short stories directly into, you know, um, publication uh, journals or magazines. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the main, the first step is always the idea. And then the next ones is just the actual crafting of it. And it's not a step, but I'll also say uh, discipline and commitment just because, um, you know, it's so easy to get off track and lose sight and, you know, you, whatever you have might be like wrong to you, but, you know, if you just keep going, it might be right in the end, so. Yeah, lots of commitment required <laughs> from every level of this business, right? Um, so we have one last student question. This is from Auden in, uh, in 11th grade in, in Connecticut, I think it says. Um, how do you match up illustrators with author stories? That is such a great question. Everyone wants to know. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I can take that one. Uh, I think that's the best part of making a picture book or an illustrated book. It really, you start the conversation with the author and you see kind of what do they have in their minds? What are they envisioning? Um, and you might not necessarily match exactly, but you want to get a sense of where their, where their imagination took them when they were writing the book. Um, and then you talk to your art director um, and the art director, you're going to be looking at portfolios of different artists. Um, you're going to be looking at different artists represent, uh, represent, representatives um, on their websites and see what illustrators they have. Um, you might even put a call out on Twitter, which I've been known to do, um, but really just looking for all of the possible illustrators that would be a good match for that subject matter um, and that story and really trying to find the person that best fits it. Um, so you may come up with, you know, your top five list and then you sort of, you know, put them in order say, well, which one's our top, which one's our dream illustrator. And then um, if they say no, which often they do because they're booked for, you know, a long time, uh, then you go to the second person um, and you, you try and see if you can get somebody who really has, will have a passion for that story um, and someone who will really, once they read the text, they will immediately start to think of images um, and, and get inspired by it and have something to contribute to it. Thank you. I knew, I knew Nancy would have a perfect answer. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, I think that we are about out of time for this great panel. And so thank you so much to our panelists for their incredible expertise and for giving their time today. Um, and thank you to all of you for attending um, the Career Day panel at the 2021 Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. <laughs>